Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Leafs, Bruins for Atlantic Division Supremacy tonight, 7.30 on Sportsnet Ontario. This is from Elliot Friedman's latest 32 thoughts on mm. Sportsnet Nazi. Yeah, thought number 29, he just snuck it in there, just slid it in. I guess it doesn't deserve to be thought number one. There was a, like a lot of Ottawa Senators thoughts. Those are like the first five. Thought 29, though. Mm. I found the Bruins' weakness. Apparently, a number of their players love lime slush with beer. What? Yeah, I don't. So I what need. Is? I don't. Except that's it. That's it. End of thought 29. No follow up. I, I, I guess Elliot taking a page out of the NHL's book and, and giving no details. No further details on this. Like, is it beer in oh, lime okay. slush? So this is this is basically like a, like a beer garita. So it's like a margarita with beer, basically, is what this is. Okay. Yeah. It's just like a non-alcoholic marg, and you toss some beer in there. I've seen now that now that I'm talking it through. Okay. It's like Are you talking seen, about like the yeah, the big? The big okay. Yeah, it's like with that. Like Coronas. Yeah, it? I think so. We're both doing the worst radio ever. <laughs> just putting our hands up, going, it's like this, <laughs> yeah. dunk it in. The two Coronas yeah. in a giant margarita. Well, I think that's like I think I think that's like the party version <laughs> hold, of it. But I think that's what lime like, slush and beer is. I think. Love lime slush and beer. Okay, like, but that makes it sound like that's their go-to. It's like you, you go out for a steak dinner, and you're like. Okay, taking the drink orders. Uh, no no, no nice red wine. You're like, give, even, me a, give me a beer garita. I don't even love this show, but now I'm just picturing the I think you should leave of like the sloppy steaks. Like, bring out the margarita, the beer garitas, boys. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I guess that's their thing. Also, again, it's just, it's the, it's proof of two things. It's proof of a market that has just had winning. So it's quieter and it's proof of what winning does to your team. <laughs> it's like, the, maybe that's the key. Well, uh, no, what I was going to say is the Leafs took pictures with fish on a boat. Yeah. And we had a month long referendum yeah. about the seriousness of the team. Mm-hmm. And our, our nation's foremost hockey insider, one of them, is just writing in print, boy, do the Bruins love beer. They love beer and slushies. And we look at them like, yeah, what what a bunch of winners. How could you think anything else of it? It, it, is, it is just so, and again, like we have been right to be ratcheted up to a thousand in this market because of the lack of success. But it is so funny. Like it, it really does highlight it right there of what different it feels like. And it should be said, the Bruins have won one cup this whole time. It feels sometimes we talk about sure. them like they're a 15 they're cup dynasty. Another cup final. Yeah, Game yeah. seven. No, no. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just saying like it is amazing how you get to talk about yourself and how we get to talk about a team mm-hmm. when they actually accomplish things. Yes. And they're accomplishing things during the regular season too. They've taken 17 of 18 points this season through nine games. Game number 10 tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is significant for Matthew Patra who uh, is a second-round pick, Mm -hmm. in fact, selected 16 picks after Fraser Minton in 2022 and had a pretty similar start to to Fraser Minton in his first four games. He had Mm -hmm. one point and had, like, one more shot than Minton did and was not getting a ton of minutes. But game five, yeah, big game. Had a couple of goals, had three goals over a two-game span, and now he's going to stick around for at least game number 10. So the first year of his ELC will be burned by the Boston Bruins. He is centering a line flanked by David Pasternak, notably of 60 goals a season ago. Um, It's a sliding doors moment for the Maple Leafs if Fraser Minton had shown... Mm. Capable of centering a third line, and it's not like he was—he stood out as as just like abominable or something. Mm-hmm. 
but also not given the opportunity that Poitro did. I, I'm not saying that they're the same player, but mm-hmm. like it's it's also not like Poitro's like 70 goal score uh, with the Guelph Storm either, right? Like he's a guy that's hovered around 20 goals. He put up big point totals, but yep. mostly as a distributor. Man, what a difference that can make for a hockey team. It's it's different. Uh, ecosystems, and we talk about whatever they have going on in Boston that allows everything to flourish no matter what the season is, no matter what player they lose. And this year it's Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron. But, yeah, that that could have helped if the Leafs got something out of Fraser Mitten besides the four games that he played here. Yeah, it can't can't be understated that this guy, you're right, the the goals haven't been there. He had 79 assists, 95 points in 63 yeah. games with the Storm. So a very different type of player than than Minton. And I think it goes to exactly, honestly, I, I didn't think it would dovetail so nicely into our beer garita talk, but it's, it's proof of what you can do when you're a team like Boston that, one, is it just a different cycle in, or different point in the cycle of what they are right now? They have had their wins. They have aged out. It is an aging team that is trying to hang on. So you're a little more open to taking a risk on a player like that. And then I also think it's the expectations of the season. By no means was Boston throwing in the towel on the season and saying, all right, well, you know, we'll hopefully we have a successful campaign, but we'll see how she goes. No, they wanted to compete and win, but the expectations were lessened than what the Leafs were dealing with this year. And so you just could not afford to give a guy run like that. What would the conversations we would have been having if Frazier Minton was riding shotgun with William Nylander or Mitch Marner? Well, but if he was, if he was part of a, a line, yeah, that was contributing. That's the thing. Okay. So you're, that's, that's the, that's the difference, right? And it's well, it's also the player. Like we don't know. Maybe Fraser Minton has a, a great NHL future, but yep. early returns are Quatra is, is gonna be around for a long, long time. And that's mm-hmm. a nice little selection in the second round for sure by the Boston Bruins. But the Bruins went into this season with a, a young second round pick player who's still in junior, hoping that he could stick. Mm-hmm. Well, the Maple Leafs went into this season expecting Fraser Minton to go back to yep. junior. I think that's the difference. The Bruins kind of forced the issue a little bit. They put him with superior players. And not that Matthew Nyes is not a, a great, great player and mm-hmm. doesn't have a, a, a tremendous future, but also a rookie. Like, two guys trying to find themselves at the National Hockey League level. If the Maple Leafs truly wanted Fraser Minton to work, there were things they could have done to further that process, then stick him on a third line with Max Domi and, and Fraser Minton. Or sorry, I, I, yeah, it was it was Kyle Yarncroft yep. and and uh, and Matthew Nyes that Fraser Minton was playing with. Here's the guys that Poitras is complete competing with for center ice time in in Boston. And again, it it must be said as I say this, they have yet to lose a game, so mm-hmm. clearly it's working. Charlie Coyle, Morgan Geeky. And and not the mayor of Brampton, but Patrick Brown is the is the fourth line center in in Boston. There, okay. It's just a completely different animal competing with that than it is competing with. You're David not Camp. Well, so this is the thing though is that David Camp is. Look at those players. Charlie Coyle has a role. He is a second line center or a checking line center who can give you some offense. David Camp, for the limitations he has, and he has them, he has a clear as day role on this team and. Boston wouldn't have kept Pachas up there if they were just going to have him be a fourth-line center. There is a role for him. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the thing I keep looking, that I don't go to Frazier Minton with this player. 
I go to Nick Robertson with this player. Sure. If Nick Robertson, and again, I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts, if Nick Robertson was an Arizona Coyotes prospect, he wouldn't he wouldn't be Jason, but he would have had his 20-some-odd goal season. You say, yeah, it's a nice young player, good for them. But when you're a team that is trying, itching, trying to scratch every advantage you can to get that little bit better. And not say Boston's not, but it's just so much more crucial for the Leafs to do that. You can't afford to take the risk like that. Because this goes to the question we've been asking all, all season long of what do you prioritize? Do you prioritize winning the Atlantic, having the best record possible? Or do you prioritize experimenting, seeing what's the best version? Because if you were going to do that, then to your point, you would have had Minton with somebody outside of Nyes and Domi. It's just, it's such a, man, if you have a viable third line center who is going to give you something offensively, and I guess, yeah, that's the question, whether Minton was ever going to do that, and, and the, the the WHL track record would not necessarily no. suggest that that was the case, but it does open up a, a, a different world of possibilities if you can push David Camp down the lineup if, if, if Fraser Minton sticks mm-hmm. on that third line. Um, but it does, it speaks to the environment that Poitras finds himself in in Boston, that the 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 ecosystem in Boston gave the Bruins the confidence that they could put him in a in a situation where more was going to be relied upon him, and that yeah, they were not going to get a lackluster effort where they're spending a bunch of time in their own zone, and he's a guy left on an island, and and he's exiting sixty minutes as a, a minus three player. Like that was the confidence they had in in allowing him to stay these nine games and now ten games and maybe the rest of the season maybe for the next twenty years. Yeah, and it's the it's the opportunity, right? Like I'm I'm just I just pulled it up now, just ice time in terms of the forwards. He is sixth on the Bruins in ice time. Like he is not being leaned on the most of their top six guys, but mm-hmm. he is clear as day a top six guy for them. And you know, again, I I think it's something I'm going to watch for pretty closely tonight. Is what is he as a player away from the puck? This is the thing with Minton is that there was never a role for him on this team where he was going to, they were not sitting him with Marner or Matthews or Neeland. Like that was not going to happen outside of the one thing. Now that we talk about it, the one thing I maybe would have liked to have seen, and I don't think it would have worked and it would have been such a big ask and overexposing him, but could, is there no world that he could have been that puck digging left winger, on the Matthews and Marner line. Probably not. Like mm. in the grand, like honestly, if we play that out, probably he's still back in Cam Loops having a having a grand old time. But mm-hmm. for the safe nature of player, for the pro game that he plays, that's the one place that maybe I would have liked to have seen him get a sniff. And I do wonder if the injury stuff would have would have happened or wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't have had their hand force sending him down a bit if maybe that was a possibility. But, yeah, but again, the, that speaks to the yeah. the idea that you went into this. And we talked to Brad for a living before the season. He gave every indication that this is a play. Hey, these guys don't normally stick in the NHL. Made it very clear. Yeah. yeah, the Leafs went into the Fraser Minton of it all, but how much knowing okay. that he was headed back to Camloops. How much of that is the Toronto of it all? Of having to pour cold water on it because you don't want to put. And I'm not saying this yeah, but is it's the an case. overreaction to that. You should do whatever is in the the best well, interest you not, of your hockey team, not caring about well, the market. But do you not think it's a very different animal and it does different things to the kid to have? And I'm I'm not understating what it means to be a Bruin. That's it's a it's a team with fans. They care, but it's also it's not being a leaf. Like you have to pour. Uh, in my opinion, you had to if you're a living pour a bit of 
cold water on on this because when you if you put the expectations on the kid think of all the conversations we had about him when there were no expectations put on him Mm -hmm. well you know he's having a solid game if there would have been ah, there actually is a chance this guy could stick it would have been seen as an underwhelming experiment i think right now it's just seen as what it was it's just you almost wash your hands of it but if they would have heaped expectations on him and it would have gone the way it went then what does that do? Probably not. Maybe but it gives him. Maybe it gives him some confidence. I mean, he's maybe. got. He's. I, I'm sure he got a big boost of confidence that he cracked the 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 roster with this team. Got to go out in Nashville he, with the boys. I saw he, that. He, cool, man. Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, no questions about how he went out with the boys in America. No. <laughs> the 19 year old. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Totally above board. Uh, yeah. No. I. I'm sure he felt a lot of confidence cra- uh, cracking the opening day Leafs roster after a great rookie tournament in Traverse City and a great preseason. I, I, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, you you cracked the door open a little bit for him staying for the whole season. I guess it was always a possibility, but it never really felt like a probability, right? And I haven't paid attention yeah. enough to the discourse in Boston around mm-hmm. Matthew Poitras, but it doesn't feel like it was the same around... Fraserman, different players again, but well, it's just, again, let's just let's let, well, let's just run down some of the names of these Bruins forwards. There is there is a person named Oscar Steen on mm-hmm. the fourth line. Have you heard of the artist formerly known as James Van Riemsdyk? Yep. That is on. Yeah. These are the types Not of exactly bodies. Defensive stalwart, but no. like part of a, a team that allows no goals. Uh, make it make sense, please. <laughs> make it make sense. But look at the names that he was beating out. And yeah, you <laughs> yeah. can point to you can point to Noah Gregor and Ryan Reeves and yeah. say, look at the names he's beating out. Reeves is a different animal because you know he has a utility that we have quibbled about. But he about was never going to be a fourth line center. Exactly. So. The names he's he has to compete with are Callie Yarncroft and Max Domi, who he was obviously not going to beat out because they signed him, and Tyler Bertuzzi, who he obviously was not going to beat out because yeah, they had just signed him. But and none Matthew of those guys Nyes. were center options. I mean, Domi maybe, but like we we never it, it never really was a possibility. I don't think of him centering a third line. Well, he, then this is he the had whole... to beat out David Camp for Pontus Holmberg, I suppose. He had to beat out. It wasn't that he had to beat out David Camp. It was that he had to be a better defensive center than mm-hmm. David Camp. And I don't think anybody, again, I could be wrong about this. I highly doubt the discourse in Boston is, you know what I love about Patras? Is he so responsible? That's mm-hmm. not what they're saying. I guarantee you. He's playing on the first line of Pasternak and Zaka. They're talking about the chances he creates and the things he does. It's a different player. It's 79 assists. That's more points than Fraser Minton mm-hmm. had last last year at junior. They're just completely different players. So I think that that's the other part of it. I It is a fun sliding doors conversation to have, but I just think everything we heard about Minton was, it's not sexy. It is mm-hmm. not exciting. It is a ho-hum game that can be very, very effective, whereas this guy, this guy, Patras in Boston, he's getting an opportunity that just never would have, nor, in my opinion, never should have been extended to Minton. Okay, maybe they should have just drafted him 16 slots earlier. Yeah, well, let me tell Ontario you. Ontario boy? Let me tell you how that would have gone. Oh, 5'11 guy from the O, <laughs> just, oh, put up uh, 100 assists, just what the Leafs need. That's how that would have gone. Just saying. Uh, just saying. And guess yeah. what? Do you know what conversation we would have been having about Patras? Yeah. Well, I mean, is he better than Nick Robertson? Probably not. Send mm. him back to Guelph. And again, a winger, center, I understand. Mm-hmm. But would you be signing up to put the 5'10", 180-pound guy as your third-line center? Like, mm. if we didn't feel good about Fraser Minton in that role, and he's 
a man already, mm-hmm. would we have been? And again, just different teams. It, it, they're not in different spots, clearly, because the Bruins are leading the division right now. But it's just different teams, different expectations, different opportunities. Yeah, uh, different results as well. Boy, <laughs> tell me about it. When it comes to the second round draft picks. Um, before we get to something to chew on, we didn't talk about it after the the, the Kings game. But the end of that game, last power play they had, John Klingberg was not on mm-hmm. power play one. And the discourse around him, I think, is, I don't know, about what you expected out of a John Klingberg who hasn't exactly let, lit the world on fire in not a great spot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's put up some points. But, yeah, you expected him to be an offensive driver but be a defensive liability. What if he's not on power play one? What if he's not permitted to, to, to quarterback what should be and has been one of the best power play units in the national. Like, what is his utility then? Uh, a guy who they overpaid on the, fir- the very first day of free agency <laughs> because Trilliving didn't want to get caught doing nothing is yeah. kind of what it what it feels like there. It's concerning. The, the you know, Klingberg has utility and he's going to have his games where he's snapping it around. He looks great. But, I mean, there, there were moments where he goes back on the power play to retrieve a puck out of his own zone and gets pinned against the boards. It's it just, they're just obvious faults and flaws to his game. It was a acquisition. I was not on board with not to say there couldn't have been a room for him, but just to jump out and pay him what you did on the first day of free agency. And maybe Fraser Minton's still here and we could have more opportunity for him. If they didn't have to pay Klingberg, the, the amount they did, it's, it's concerning. I, I think the other part of it as well is that with the, mishmash version of the defense you have right now, just with all the banged up bodies and injuries. And I know McCabe seeming like he's getting a little healthier, which is certainly nice for this, this team. But I think the other part of it as well is that you're just looking for ways to kind of keep Riley engaged. And if Klingberg's not going to also Riley's off to a great start. Well, exactly. It's, it's, it's supposed to be there to get Klingberg acclimatized. We're almost 10 games into the season now, okay? If he hasn't got acclimatized yet, then it's time to move on. And not to say that he can't go back on that power play. It's going to fluctuate all season long. But, yeah, these were always the questions you were you were going to have about Klingberg in terms of what the what the team needed and was he the right guy for, for that spot. And I think a lot of people have said no from the jump and they're going to be improving right. <sighs> that power play was producing under yeah, John it's going Klingberg. To. Of course it's going to. And we'll see if he, maybe he's back in that role tonight. Uh, against the Boston Bruins. All right, time now for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. The San Diego Padres were one of the weirdest teams in all of Major League Baseball a season ago. They had a bunch of great players who had great seasons, and not all of them on the, the on the offensive side. They had some great pitching performances as well, but still missed the playoffs by a ton in which you mm-hmm. could make the playoffs in the National League with 84 wins. I was going to say, <laughs> bring up your favorite stat in the world, Ben. 84 wins is all it took to make the playoffs in the National League. Padres couldn't hack it, despite having the third highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball, which which brings me to this. There's a report out of The Athletic that the Padres, the end of the season, took out a $50 million loan <laughs> <laughs> to cover some cash flow issues, including payroll, like paying their players. They didn't have cash on hand to pay their players. Um, again, third highest payroll. Mm-hmm. But this is a team that sold the second most game tickets in all of baseball. But there are, the reason that many people looked at their frivolous spending over the years with the side eyes, this is one of the smallest markets in all of Major League Baseball. We don't know... Ticket price, you know, how much revenue they're generating despite having the second most tickets sold plus. Not enough. 
There's the corporate sponsorships. There's there's all of the things that encompass being a small professional sports market. I'm of two minds here. One is that's a bummer that a team that I was so <laughs> pointing to and saying everybody else should be looking at the Padres who despite their small market status and despite the fact that maybe they're losing money on a daily basis, know that the equity in the team is growing and eventually they're going to make off selling that team for $6 billion and the yep. owner's going to make a ton of money. Um, it doesn't look great if that's not sustainable for like even two years. <laughs> Secondary thing is, boy, Blue Jays going to take advantage of a Padres team oh. that's probably very much looking to sell off pieces, if not some of the guys that are under big contracts in Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., but a guy who's going to need a big contract at the conclusion of this season in Juan Soto. Juan Soto, to me, this was an indication that Juan Soto's as good as gone. Uh, you think? If they cannot pay the bills they have now, just uh, you, you're more of a grown-up than, than I, so I'll ask you, but I think this is how it works. If you're having trouble paying your bills... You don't go buy a new car yeah. or something like that. And that's kind of what that feels like. You can, but it's not smart. You can't. It's true, actually. They would they would love for you to yeah. do it, quite honestly. <laughs> like, oh, my God, please, you should buy two. Yeah. But, yeah, it's not smart at all. The thing I thought about all this is that the person who would most want this story buried under the Earth's core is, uh, I believe he's the owner there, Peter Angelos in Baltimore. All mm. we ever hear with that Orioles team, it's the conversation at least I had surrounding the playoffs outside of the Jays heading into it was, Okay, what's going to happen when they have to spend money to support this core? The idea that a team was willing, maybe they thought they wouldn't have to and they just ended up having to, but the fact that a team was willing to take out yeah. a $50 million loan to pay their players, it's going to be pretty hard hearing a team of any consequence crying poor at some point in time in Major League Baseball. No, like, it, it sucks for all <laughs> those small market owners in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh who routinely trim payroll yeah. who talk about their inability to compete with the big boys in major league baseball. It sucks that those guys, like there's evidence in, in their, in their court right now. That's not good. I don't, no. I don't like those guys being proven correct. And who knows? Like there's, there's lots of context in this story and there's some people and certainly the people within the Padres organization would say that there is a plan here and this is not uncommon for I'd teams hope. to take, to take loans out. But there's also some, Unnamed sources in this thing that are like that is kind of concerning. Well, we all we all have friends who are bad with money. They all have a plan. They're like, sure. oh no, it's great. This is thirteen leg. Money, yeah. yeah, this thirteen leg parlay is gonna hit, and then I'll have rent money. Like we've all met that guy who's bad yeah. with money. They all have a plan. It's mm -hmm. just a terrible one that's that's not gonna work. So yeah, it's uh that is that's honestly a remarkable story and. It did bring me back to one of the funnier moments in Jay's, uh, well, I guess not all that recent vintage anymore, but them passing around the hat for, of all people, Irvin Santana. Yeah, Big Irv would have been the difference. Oh, there. surely. Surely. Yeah. Uh, Padres should have made the playoffs. That would have helped. They yeah, actually you think? A little little gate? I wonder, and, you know, maybe, maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't. I wonder how much, I know the NHL is having some of this issue. I know Major League Baseball is as well, like the RSNs. Regional sports networks. Yes. There's a lot of there was some question of, going on with that, for lack of a better term. And I do wonder how much that's implicated in the finances. Hundred percent. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people wondering about the the finer details of this thing. By the way, just for further context, uh, context: the Padres finished the season on a five-game winning streak. They oh, had a good for them. They had a plus 104 run differential. They actually finished above 500 at 82 and 80. Um, the Diamondbacks were minus 15 in run differential. <laughs> the, the the Padres had almost a, a hundred 
run the Diamondbacks run making, differential. The Diamondbacks making the World Series is your the Leafs are going to Sweden. You just like you can't you cannot believe it, and it's every time every time it gets waved in front of your face, you have to mention it. I, I love you for it, quite honestly. I do. Thank you. Yeah, you play out that season a hundred times. I mean, maybe there's one in a hundred where the Padres miss the playoffs. Uh, but that we just lived through it. We, yeah, I was going to say it happened. So. All right. Uh, when we come back, Leafs Bruins tonight, litmus test, measuring stick game, whatever you want to call it. Luke Fox joins us next. Uh, Sportsnet Leafs reporters. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet Five Ninety. The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Now, Creed is coming to Budweiser stage. This isn't Creed, by the way. No, no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Does Creed do a dropkick Murphy's cover? I, I, I her, her. That'd be great. <laughs> Creed comes. Shipping off the Boston. Yeah. Creed, that was pretty impressive. Thank you. I, I think it's terrible, actually. Creed is coming to Budweiser stage July 30th, 2024, with special guest Big Rec. Finger 11, we are giving away tickets all week long. To enter, all you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Morning Show. Listen for our daily code word. Text it to 59590. Today's code word is inside us all. Text inside us all to 59590 right now for your chance to win. Giving away one last pair of tickets tomorrow. However, if you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets starting tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster.ca. Maybe buy, buy us dinner before texting in that code word. Just, just saying. Yeah. Also, I now want to do the entire entire interview with Luke as Scott Stapp of Creed. I want to be like, hey, Luke. I just want to do it, but I won't because I'd be very irksome. I won't do it, but I just, just I want, no, no, I said I wanted to do the whole interview. I didn't say I'm going to. I wanted to, but there, I got it out of my system. We can now just have a normal Leafs conversation. I guess it's Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter in Boston. How's it going, Luke? It's going pretty good. I had quite a Boston night last night. (laughs) I heard. So, (laughs) So it started with like an elite lobster roll oh then i went then i went to a, a sports bar uh irish sports bar and they're playing jump around which is pretty on the nose yeah and then i went and then i went out and checked out the celtics game and uh marky mark Wahlberg was there no <laughs> that is i mean if the leafs well i was about to say if they win if the leafs lose tonight that's truly hitting for the boston cycle i i think luke yeah 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 but i love i love this town it's a good town I, yeah. I went there for my uh, I went there for my bachelor party. I I love it. I am dying uh, dying to get back. So yeah, wow, you I don't hear it. Boston as a as a bachelor party destination. Jay Sox went to Fenway. It was great. That's no, good. Yeah, Luke. And I assume you went back to your hotel and watched The Departed. <laughs> the town actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So you're fully indoctrinated. Um, that was a pretty garbage performance against the Kings. A good yeah. Kings team. Okay, <laughs> they're good, and they got lots of center depth. That's garbage. Is it? Is it uh, just like a game nine of the regular season? Is that how you view it? Ah, no big deal. Like so many have, have, have told the fans to react and 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 uh, test testing them for booing the Leafs off the ice in the second period. How do you view that performance against the Kings? Yeah, I mean this has happened so often in October's past where they have a really flat game and then you're hesitant to make a big deal of it because this is such a good regular season team. 
the Maple Leafs, but they usually bounce back. Um, and I, I think it, what it has done is placed added importance on tonight's game and how competitive they are. I don't think they necessarily have to win to regain the, the trust of the fans, but they can't give an effort like that. That was, that was pathetic. And I mean, yeah, you're coming off a road trip, but it's not as if it was a back-to-back or anything. Uh, and just kind of, they just mailed that one in. I mean, Sheldon Keefe said it best. He, he's like, none of us had it tonight, not, not one guy. Um, so I, I'm not making going to make too big of a deal about a loss to the Kings, but I, I, I do think it's a reminder that the way the Kings play, that's how teams, good teams play in the playoffs. So you have to fight through a well-organized, structured team. Um, so, and, and they're going to get another one here tonight in Boston. The good news is I think the Leafs have a history of responding pretty well from the, when they ever, whenever they lay an egg. Usually their response game is pretty good. And I also wonder if they, maybe they were looking ahead to this game, a divisional rival a little bit. Yeah, I think they, I think there's certainly some of that. I mean, we've seen uh, again, we've seen flat games from this team, and they almost always bounce back. You know, when you don't ever want to make a hockey game about any one person, but the guy I'm kind of circling for tonight, who I need to have a, and I won't say a big game in the sense of you need two goals, but I want to see the nasty bite filled Tyler Bertuzzi. I feel like we haven't seen that as much lately. And you know, I'm I'm not going to pretend like these are uh, his brothers. He played with for a thousand years there, but you know, he has some history with this team. He was there for the, uh, the playoff loss last year. And for a guy who hasn't been contributing, maybe the way you'd like offensively, I would just, I, it feels like we've yet to see that really kind of nasty, meaner version of Bertuzzi. And I don't want to overstate it. It's not like he has been flat all season long, but it just seemed like he was a little bit shot out of a cannon in that first game against Montreal. And I don't really feel like we've seen the, the same guy since. It, it, it seems like it'd be a, as good a night as any for Tyler Bertuzzi to be his mean kind of wild self tonight. Yeah, 100%. And uh, usually guys have a little extra edge to them when they go up against a former team. Uh, I'm sure a couple of Boston guys might take a, a little run at him too. And, and maybe that gets them more engaged there, he's been battling something. Like on that road trip, mm. I remember there was one practice where he kind of stopped mid, mid line rushes in practice to, to stretch something out. So he's, he's at something less than 100%, and that was always going to be the risk when you signed uh, him as a free agent. He has a pretty long history of, of getting injured. So he's been battling something, so I want to give him a benefit of the doubt that way. But much like some of the other new recruits, they haven't really found a home yet. You don't really know what line they're going to stick on. Uh, I think they're trying to figure out what it's like playing a bit fewer minutes. You know, games on the line. Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, those guys aren't really seeing the ice so much. Uh, this team is so top-heavy and so relies so much on the guys Sheldon Keith knows, uh, his big four forwards and Morgan Riley. But I think Domi and, and Bertuzzi and to some extent Klingberg, they're still trying to figure out their roles on this team. And you know, hopefully you just chalk it up to growing pains and say, hey, we're not even 10 games into the season yet. But at some point, you want to see something start to click. You want to see a guy develop chemistry with another player or two and stick on a line for good. Yeah, and somebody stick on that top line specifically. I mean, Kelly Yarncroke has had success there in the past, but not exactly somebody you get excited about to play alongside Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Who do you think ends up there ultimately by the end of the season? Oh, that's a good one. I Well, I have my eye on Matthew Nyes. And I, and I think they didn't want to give him too much too soon, and I agree with that theory. He's a rookie in the league. I think you want to, him to earn it. And then I also think there's an element of when you're selling free agents on coming to your team, 
like Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi both started in a top six role, like at training camp, opening night of the season. I think that's part of the sell is, hey, we're going to put you with some of our best players to start and see if you can stick. Um, I think that's part of luring them there. And then you, you also don't want to give a rookie too much too soon. But I wonder um, if Matthew Nyes as a left winger doesn't weasel his way into the top six as we go along here. Yeah, that's that's what I think we all kind of have penciled in. And, uh, man, careful what you wish for. Like, the Leafs' uh, sexy left-wing free agent acquisition is kind of becoming, like, the Madden curse here. It almost never works out. Like, Michael Bunting stick, but we saw what happened with Richie. We saw what happened with Thornton. Like, it's amazing the amount of guys they've tried in that spot. And I'm with you. Like, I am not, I'm not pouring dirt on Tyler Bertuzzi and what he can give this team. He clearly is banged up, and a player like that, it is always a question mark with him, but I think if you get a healthy version of him, uh, it'll be be a slightly slightly different player. Um, this is a question that maybe we should have an answer to, but I don't think we do. Who is starting tonight, and how much do you think we can read into Sheldon Keefe's decisions in terms of goaltending? Because the thing I've been pointing out is that every decision he makes is very naked. There's no way to hide it of, ah, it's a back-to-back, it's a busy run. Every decision he makes in net is a concerted decision to put somebody in. It's not a rest thing or a schedule thing. So do we have an update on who's starting tonight? And then how how do you think Keefe will handle his goalies and how different is it the fact that, that he has to be so forthright just because of the schedule in terms of no back-to-back and no way to hide anybody yeah so we don't we don't officially they're gonna do a full morning skate at 11 30 here and then we will know for sure my hunch is that it's uh samsonov just because uh joseph wall stayed on the ice yesterday to do a little bit of extra work uh and i i I firmly believe that he wants to get both guys rolling ultimately you know you give him the truth serum which goalie does he like better i think it's without question it's wall but he realizes that this kid has never, you know, barely played in the NHL, let alone played 50 games, 60 games. He keeps saying, you know, you need two goalies rolling in order to, to have a good regular season. So, um, you know, the fact that Joseph Ball lost, even though it wasn't his fault, um, you know, I, I think it makes it a little bit easier to go back to Samsonov. So that's my hunch. But uh, pay attention to the old Twitter box around uh, uh, 11, 30, 12, and you'll, you'll have a, an official answer. It's called X, okay? It's called. Oh yeah, right, right. No, yeah. uh, you were right. Actually, Ben's wrong. Well, how how, how is the the like the URL still Twitter.com? If yeah, it's because that's X. what it's called. Yeah, that's, exactly. Know, we is, don't need to talk about this. Whatever. Just know you're wrong. All right, we're gonna see uh, Matthew uh, Poitras. Uh, for the first time this season, selected 16 slots after Fraser Minton, and he's sticking around. This is game number 10 for him. First yep. year of his ELC burned off. First four games for him, like statistically, looked pretty similar to what Fraser Minton did. Only had the the one point in game number one. It was an assist and didn't have a ton of shots and was playing like in the 12, 13 minute range. And then he explodes for two goals in game five. Um, did did the Leafs give Fraser Minton? I know part of this was like necessity and, and Bertuzzi was banged up and they had to do some shifting. But did they give him enough time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, the NHL was too much for him. And, and that's not a knock on the kid. Like, he had an amazing camp. He had a good start to the season. But he's just, he's a little bit too slight. And I think it's for the best for his development to go back to Kamloops, kill it in junior, and then, you know, start fresh next year. Uh, you don't want to bring a guy up when he's not ready for it. But I do, I do think it speaks to the lack of center depth that this organization has, much like Boston, right? David Krejci and 
Patrice Bergeron retire, all of a sudden, Matthew Poitras gets his opportunity, and he's centering the top line right now. Like, ridiculous. And it's kind of funny. Like, Jim Montgomery was saying, we just kept putting more on his plate, giving him harder matchups, and looking for a reason to send him back, looking for a test that was too tough for him. And he said, he just belongs. He just belongs in the NHL. We have to keep him. So good on him. But I don't think it's a slight to, to Fraser Minton that the Leafs are, are going to let him groom and develop in junior a little bit longer. You, this is, honestly, Luke, this is one of the most impressive radio uh, hits truly, you've ever done. Truly a harrowing effort because we love you. But I, I think it's safe to say Boston won Luke Fox zero based on the pipes <laughs> this morning. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm fight. Yeah, I'm fighting something. I'm fighting yeah. something. Yeah, is that what they call it these days? Uh, okay, I just called it. No, we're all fighting something. All right, Luke. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you're again. We do love having you on, Luke, and and uh, you do great work. We're gonna let you go, but uh, thanks for so much for for doing this. I'm I'm glad you're having a good time in Boston. Enjoy the game tonight, buddy. Okay, you too. There's Luke Fox, Sportsnet Leafs reporter. Yeah, it happens sometimes. You know, I mean. Kudos to him for just coming on and saying, I had an absolute time last night. I was at the Celtics game and I went to a bar, but I'm, I'm just a little sick. Don't take anything <laughs> into this. I love Luke. Uh, gamer. Mm-hmm. Gamer. If yep. the Leafs can put forth that type of effort tonight, we'll be happy. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but like you said, I mean, this is the MO of this team is to, to, to lure you into having harsh takes on them and then to I'm punch you in the that. mouth. I'm done with that. Yeah, uh, until until May, and then I reserve the right to have the harshest takes humanly possible. Yeah, and not that I'm having harsh takes from the Kings game, but that was is, I mean, it's a horrible effort. You want to? You you're not doing it, but I can feel it inside you. You're like, I have a harsh take I want to give. No, I gave it. I agree with Luke <laughs> that that was okay. It's a good Kings team, and you're coming off a road trip, and you took seven to ten points. Okay, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Like it's more than acceptable. That's a good road trip against some good teams, and they played their best sixty minutes against the Stars on that road trip. Yep. There's also some games where they got some sure. great goaltending, but they're uh, they're allowed to do that. They're allowed to the win team. games that way. And I'm thinking about the the Washington game and. You know what? The comeback against the Lightning, that yeah, was an impressive, uh, impressive uh, intestinal fortitude to come back from from down a couple of goals. But it's okay. It was not like a harrowing road trip. They played no back-to-backs on the road trip. At least haven't played a back-to-back all season long. You're sitting at home waiting for a Kings team that's playing not in the Pacific time zone, and, and you put forth an effort like that. As, I, I'm not surprised by it. But I'm not heartened by it either. But here's what I would say mm. is that this is if you string together back to back performances that look like that. Well, one it would be kind of it would be something different because mm-hmm. we're not used to seeing not. that type of stuff. There is usually a, a clear contrast Dead in, bounce. They in, love it. in effort level between bad efforts and good efforts, especially against teams that I guess, I mean, that's another possibility, and Luke mentions it, that maybe the Leafs are looking ahead to this big game this season. If I was the Jackets on Tuesday, I'd feel differently about it. That Kings team is one you should get up for. Yeah, and the helmet should wake you up. Like, you should you should have no no problem missing, uh, or you, you should... You I'm should. annoyed you brought those up. I had forgot about them, and you, I wasn't going to have to see them again all year long. The Kings should have your full attention because they're just a, a shiny object. <laughs> But yeah, tonight is the game that, okay, the takes get a lot harsher if you don't put forth a real 60-minute performance. Again, results aside, mm-hmm. 
that's the thing. We can we can have a different conversation about results as, as opposed to process. Process, ha- process has to be sound tonight. So let me posit this to you then. And we've had this conversation about about this group a million times of, of course, they have to wear it. You know, the players have to wear not starting on, out on time, coming out flat, yada, yada, yada. And I don't expect this to happen. I think that this is a team that will put forth a tremendous effort tonight. But if they come out flat, and no one's saying they're making a coaching change if they come out flat tonight, but how much of that is on the the guy? I mean, we, have, we have changed a thousand pieces yep. around this team. We have had a million conversations on yeah. bottom six wingers and third line centers and defensemen that'll wake you up and goaltenders that give you a chance and scoring the first goal of the game over and over and over and over again. And maybe, maybe the answer to that is, and it's too early for these takes, but maybe the answer is flawed group, yada, yada, yada. But maybe mm-hmm. the answer is they're sick and tired of the guy pushing the buttons. And it's too early for all this, but mm-hmm. if this continues to snowball into a thing all season long, I don't know where else to point the finger. Or or the guy pushing the buttons is not capable of of alerting his group to the urgency of of a game on a daily well, basis. Well, to to his to in Keith's defense in that matter, I don't think he's sitting there you know, playing tranquil spa music before the game saying, don't get too amped up, guys. You want to be relaxed and calm, but the message has to come from somewhere. And this is something we've talked about. I mean, you know, Bruce Cassidy was a tremendous coach with the Bruins and they said, eh, shelf life, done. Mm-hmm. No one's calling for Keith's head. I am certainly not doing that right now. But if this continues to be a problem as the year goes on with, again, a same core but different groups surrounding it, at what point in time do you have to look at the coach? Whether that's his fault or not, it's just the thing you can change. Yeah, it is the thing that you can change. Yeah, at a certain point, you do you know, to need to get the players' attention. I, I, again, I'm of two minds of this because I know what the players are thinking, and it's not incorrect. None of this really matters, right? Like, this is all, get into the playoffs, and then you can start to judge us. Although maybe it's a it's a more competitive Atlantic division. Maybe it's not as easy as it was in years past. Although, like, you go back and look at the the October starts for this team in years. It's mm-hmm. pretty similar. My God, this team was 4-4-1 four, four, and one a season ago when we were having the Fire Sheldon Keefe conversations then. I mean, oh. it was a California road trip against some pretty crappy teams that they lost all three of them. Dude, like, that would that was more a process than yes. a results thing at that point as well. It was it was both because the results were also mm-hmm. very crappy. 4-4-1 four, four, and one is, a, is a horrible way to, to, to start your year. But this is... Yeah, at a certain point, are you going to start looking like the teams that look like Stanley Cup contenders? Like, when is that going to happen? We've seen it in spurts. We've seen 60-minute performances where they have. Mm -hmm. That's a Dallas Stars team that can win the Stanley Cup. Now, they didn't have their best player on Mm -hmm. the ice in Jake Ottinger in that game, but whatever. I don't know if the result is entirely different. They only scored one against you in that game, too. You referred to a goalie as a player, and it just broke my brain. (laughs) I was like, like, Miro Heiskanen definitely played in that game. But you're right. That's that's fair. He's the most important goalie on that team. They can do it for a game. Yes. The the thing with this Leafs team, and I I just want to hammer home my stance on this matter. I don't think Sheldon Keefe is the problem. I think he is a good coach. I think another organization would be happy to have them. I'm not saying he is the only answer. I'm not saying that. But if you have another year where you have a lot of these moments throughout the year, I think it's fair to ask that question of how much of that rides on him. Yeah. Or rests on him, I should say. And and how much, like when is the the demonstrably different 
reaction to some of the games that we've seen over the years, mm. like like the Kings game. Okay. Like, when will we so, see that? Like the the paint peeling off the walls. Like, when's that happening? If they come out flat, and it won't happen because we know this group. But mm-hmm. I do wonder if if we are ripe for a angry Sheldon and and saying mm. it loudly. Oh, now now. Just I kind of want to see I, it. I, you know me. I always want the Leafs to win. But for the show's sake tomorrow, uh-huh. mm, angry Sheldon, I'd take it. Well, and if the Leafs put forth yet another effort like they did against the Kings. the S-word. Oh. Soft. Ooh. Yeah, if, they, if they, they have a back-to-back poor efforts and he doesn't react that way, that's a conversation in its own right as yeah, well. Yeah, it really is. You're right. But please just, how about, how about just Matthews and Marner, two points each, go win the game. How about that? Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good formula for success. All right, speaking of which, time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Leafs, Bruins, coin flip. Uh, both teams minus 110 on the money line. The total is only six as the Bruins have been super stout defensively. We do not know who is starting in goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but as Luke indicated it does feel like Ilya Samsonov's net after uh, Joseph Wall stubs his toe a little bit against the Kings. I, I know they're they're not underdogs, but even when you get a coin flip game for the Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. it feels like a rarity, especially against a team that's missing its top defenseman. I, I, I like the Leafs in this spot because of all the reasons we just mentioned, including them looking so poorly against the Kings, a game that's obviously going to have their attention. I like the Leafs on the money line. Yeah, I will follow you there. See, I don't always disagree with you. Mm. I'll also add this in. Uh, Both teams are plus 100 for the first goal tonight. So personally me, I think the Leafs are going to show up shot out of a cannon. But if you think a a faltering is coming the other way, then you can can get both teams at plus 100 to score first. So I, I would go Leafs in that regard. But if you think an egg is coming, you can get Boston to score first at plus 100 as well. Uh, Raptors on the back end of back-to-backs in Philly playing a Sixers team that they already lost to once this season. But yeah, after the big victory over the Bucks yesterday, the Sixers are favored by eight and a half. Man, our, our you know unders where we're going. total. You know where we're going. I, are you not a little bit worried about the way things went down yesterday against the Bucks? The total is 215 and a half. They're not hitting over twice on a back-to-back of all games, I'm going under there. I mean, the previous game between these two, even in the yeah. midst of that, that the no offense being yeah. scored by the Raptors did go over. I don't know. I'm going to go the other way. I'm okay. riding. I'm riding the streak over. Wow. For for the Raptors, you do not get the show. They they figured it out. They figured it out. I I like the over two fifteen. I'm going the other way. And one of, the good news is one of us gets to brag tomorrow. So yeah, no, I I'm taking a page out of your playbook, which obviously Just is disagree. going to, yeah going against me uh, on the wake and rake and uh, Thursday night football. Will Levis and the Titans in Pittsburgh to play the Steelers, uh, who will have Kenny Pickett back apparently behind for, for, center. Quote for sure. All right, uh, from him by the okay. way. Okay, not me. All right, the spread is the Steelers minus two and a half. Boy, Will Levis looks so great in his debut. Mm-hmm. Four touchdown passes. But this is the Steelers' defense, yeah. man. Yeah, a little yeah. different. I know it's Thursday night football. I generally lean towards the points in this one. But, no, I, I think this is going to be a welcome to the NFL moment for uh, for Mr. Levis here. Give me the Steelers minus two and a half. Yeah, I'm with you there. I was kind of thinking about getting greedy, but let's not do it with Steelers' money line. Let's just go points. And, yeah, let's go uh, minus 115, Steelers, Steelers to cover. Uh, that was the wake and rake. 
presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, how do the Bruins keep doing it? Uh, we're going to ask Frank Cervelli, our NHL insider and president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com next. As the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.